Hi, everybody. Wynn Claybaugh here, and welcome to another Master's Podcast. I am here with Laura Tierney, who is the founder and CEO of the Social Institute, empowering students, their role models, and adults to navigate social media and technology in positive, high-character ways. Okay, obviously, I'm reading this, but just even the first sentence here, (laughs) teaching Young students, which obviously the whole world would clamor around that, but also teaching adults how to navigate through social media and technology in a positive, high character way. Okay, Laura, I'm already setting you up. You have a lot of work to do here. (laughs) That's right. We have a lot of work to do, and not just with students, but with adults too. And I mean, I think of this win, it's like, you know, all of us, whenever we got our first device, it's like we were given the keys to this wonderful car and this car could take us great places. Uh, however, we didn't go through driver's ed. And so adults and, and kids right now, we're navigating these different apps, these different devices, and we've never really gotten a playbook on how to make positive choices. And so it's easy to talk to someone in your life and especially a teenager and talk down to them about this topic. You should do this. You should do that. But what we found is that we're all on the same page here. We All of us never went through driver's ed when it comes to social media. And so it's really about huddling with each other and just having conversations about these you know, situations we're encountering. Well, I, I like that word you keep on using, huddling. I like that a lot. So I, I need to read more about who Laura is to give our listeners this incredible information because what you've accomplished within two years, her team's unique gamified social media curriculum co-created with over 50,000 students has been touted as the gold standard in the country. Their positive student-led approach has been applauded by Melinda Gates on Twitter and featured by the Washington Post, NPR, and USA Today. Laura, you have all kinds of experience in the world of social media and you know brand marketing, having worked as the social media manager at ESPN, helping ESPNW use social media to inspire millions of women and girls who love sports. She has worked with social media to build brands and campaigns for Duke Men's Basketball, ESPN, Samsung, Coca-Cola, Travelocity, Oakley and Disney. Get this, in 2018, Laura received the Triangle Business Journal's 40 Under 40 Award in 2022. She was named a finalist in the EdTech Leadership Awards. My gosh, this goes on and on. And we're not even talking about your career in sports. A graduate of Duke University, she became a four-time Duke All-American, two-time team captain, and Duke Athlete of the Decade for field hockey. You could kick my butt, couldn't you? Okay, so I want to really jump into this uh, because she has so much to share. And let me just say that I was in your audience a couple of weeks ago, and the, the audience were parents of the school where my daughter attends. So I'm an 11-year-old daughter. She's in sixth grade, and Laura was hired by this school to come in and try to not try to, to teach and help parents navigate social media for their young children. And as she's sitting there talking in, I don't know how many were in the audience, but as she's sitting there talking, I'm like, yes, this is valuable information. 
I took away so much information that I'm going to use with my daughter. But the entire time I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, grown adults need this information so much. Why aren't we talking about this more? Because I, I see grown adults. I just saw some guy on Instagram who said, you know, I'm saying goodbye. I'm not going to post anything until after the first of the year because I just figured out that I'm spending three hours a day uh, doing social media, which adds up to X number of days per year and taking away this many years of my life. And therefore, I'm saying goodbye until January. Mm. And nobody's doing that. <laughs> nobody's <laughs> saying goodbye. And so we, we need this incredible information. So, Laura, thanks again for your willingness to do this. I'm so, so grateful. Um, well, thank you for your kind words. And it is certainly a labor of love. I mean, I, I started the Social Institute back in 2016, uh, long before, you know, TikTok and Snapchat, but the need is greater than ever. And, you know, it's a need that exists more and more with students as new apps come out and new features are launched. And you can imagine the, the misinformation that we see in our feeds these days from current events happening, you know, nationally and internationally. And no matter, I think, what Core, no matter what our, our values are, our political beliefs, you, we can all set that aside and say, this is our kids' health, their happiness, and their future success we're talking about here. And social media has one of the greatest impacts on that. And so I, I think it's, it's such a unifying topic for all adults. Like We're all going through this together and all the more reason to, to figure it out. So you have young children yourself. That's right. I'm in the thick of it. I still feel like I'm in the fog. I have a six-year-old and a two-year-old, so you can't see the bags under my eyes, but they're real. They are real. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so you have young children yourself, but now you have this spotlight on this issue. And do you also have that same sentiment that I've had since I learned about you and started following you that, wow, my grown adults friends really, really need to have a slap in the face with what you know and what you've uncovered? Yes. I mean, I am learning right alongside you. And yeah, I, you know, I have the gift of huddling with thousands of students across the country each and every year to learn about their perspectives and what's trending and more. Uh, but, but we're all learning. And there's you know, probably three key takeaways that I've I've learned um, in the stage of parenting where I am now. But the first, you know, is that the we're all at different stages when it comes to social media and tech and parenting. And so, some of our kids are using family devices. You know, some are FaceTiming loved ones, extended family members. On the flip side, there's maybe older kids who are using devices of their own that they received many years ago. And I think one of my biggest tips for parents, it's about easing your kid into technology. And so it helps them build this kind of mental muscle, no matter if they are six years old or 16 years old. The second tip is about huddling, not helicoptering. And so it's so easy, especially if you're parenting a teenager, to want to helicopter and, you know, get all up in their messages that they're sending and the photos that they're taking. But the more that you could huddle with them, it, again, helps build trust. And that trust lets them come to you, you know, when the going gets tough online. And the third is that 
you know, parents have such an advantage in this world because you could ask your child to coach up and coach you on different topics. Hey, help me understand kind of the settings of TikTok. Uh, Hey, can we look at do not disturb while driving together? And all of those moments are teachable moments for a child. You know, there's no better way to learn something than to have to teach someone else. And when you ask your child to coach up, it kind of signals to them that, you know, hey, I, I don't know everything as the parent and that's okay, but like, let's kind of learn this together. And it's a really powerful step so many parents are taking. So the American Psychological Association and Surgeon General recently advised that kids get social media training even in schools. And you saw the need for this years ago which is why you founded the Social Institute back in 2016. And so why is all of this so important other than the obvious, other than what we're all like thinking, well, duh. Yeah. Well, that was a a key question kind of in the early stages of founding this organization was, you know, how do you reach the students? You know, do you build a website that they go to directly? Uh, Do you go through the parents, you know, to, translate this information to the students. And we just thought one of the best vehicles to reaching the students was like the most social setting possible, aside from social media, of course, um, which was the school system. And schools, you know, you now have this wave of policy uh, and legislation hitting, you know, led by what the the APA uh, and the Surgeon General are suggesting of like, let's have formalized training for students and let's have it grow with them year over year as they progress from elementary, middle school and high school. It makes such good sense. However, I think where schools get stuck a bit is that they kind of, you don't know what you don't know. (laughs) So if adults don't really know a lot about social media or technology, they don't know where to start. And that's, I think, one beautiful thing that we've honed over the years is collaborating with schools to say, hey, here's what students are talking about in grade eight versus grade 10. Here's what they're experiencing. And you kind of let that student voice, you know, I don't know, fuel all of these efforts, all of these curriculum ideas. Yeah, maybe this question is is a bit early, but I'm asking it just to capture people's attention as we dive into the brilliance that you have created for us. But what scares you having young children yourself and they're going to grow up and navigate through all of this and be exposed? What scares you the most? Hmm. I mean, I I think my my heart skips a beat every time, you know, I read an article about in the news, there's so many of them, they happen every day of, you know, kids uh, feeling just so alone, you know, and not, you know, scrolling down their feed, uh, feeling like they have no one to talk to about all these pressures that they're navigating. It's it's just horrifying as a parent uh, to think, you know, could my child be in that position someday? And it's such a oxymoron, right, of like this world that is designed to connect us can actually make some students feel like they're all alone and they have no one they could talk to about, you know, hey, I I sent a 
a risque photo of myself to a classmate and now they're sharing it around school. I don't want to tell my parent about that. It's really embarrassing. Or, you know, hey, this kid in class, he's nice to me during the day when the teacher's watching, but I go home and it's another world of kind of torment and hurtful comments that I receive. And it's not even directly from that student. It's from an anonymous account. Uh, So I don't even know if it's them or not, but I receive these, like the list goes on and on. And I think it goes back to, you know, so what? I remember our our, uh, U.S. uh, national team coach asking us that question all the time, like, so what? You know, so what? So what are you going to do about it? And I, I think that's one of the most moving things I see every week that inspires us to do the important work we do. Wow. And I'll ask the question again, but what scares you about this world of social media when it comes to grown adults. Again, you have a spotlight on this. And so you're seeing things or you're noticing things, you're paying attention to things that maybe other people aren't. And and a lot of grown adults are just sucked into this and without thinking about it, without any training, without any input. Mm. Why not? Because they're grown adults, but you see things. What scares you about grown adults in the world of social media? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I, I think if you asked me this question a few years ago in being an entrepreneur and building this company and being a a first-time parent, I would say this thing really scares me and frustrates me. Uh, But I think over the years, what I've learned to just is to be like uh, unshakably curious about it. Uh, Because when I'm curious about it, I think I could better solve for this. And my answer is, it is parents feeling like they know it all. They know it all and they're going to lecture their child and talk down to their child. And it's really, I feel like a fear where you as a parent are not willing to maybe be vulnerable. And this topic of social media education, uh, it's one of the rare topics that requires you to be so vulnerable uh, because none of us know everything about it. It's evolving every minute. And so I think the more we can have this kind of vulnerable, open mindset, you create this safe space for a child to talk with you about it and you kind of elevate their voice even more. And it, it is such a beautiful thing that so many parents are doing across the nation. Well, since you mentioned that creating that safe place to discuss best practices with our kids. You know, there's an organization called Wait Till Eighth, and I, I want to talk to you about that. But before we get into any of that stuff, what are some of these best practices? Because I'll tell you something. I, I it was well, I can't remember what age she was, but it was it wasn't recently. It was a couple of years ago that I was like, guess what? My 11 year old daughter, again younger than than 11, <laughs> knows a lot more than I know at this stage. So I, I, I'm not that parent who thinks I know better. I have more information. I, I gave that up. I gave up helping her with math homework in third grade. So yeah. <laughs> that's right. And in some ways, I will also like course correct my statement slightly to say, 
you know, with age comes wisdom. And so you also have those values of self-awareness and social awareness, and you, you in some ways do know a bit more. But I think the more we create that space of just like, hey, I, I don't know everything. I'm not here to talk down to you. It immediately puts you in a position to be more curious than uh, simply in, a, you know, lecturing someone. And I think when you are curious, that's been the fuel behind everything we do at the Social Institute. We're just so curious to learn from students. They then open up and it gives us this incredible insight to have great conversations with them about how they could make, you know, smart choices, you know. Well, tell us what some of those other best practices are. So you said that we need to huddle with our kids. And I think you just said a best practice is uh, to be curious. are, Are you saying pull your kid aside and say, hey, you know, teach me about this app, teach me about what you're learning. So come with this. I don't know everything. And I'm really curious about this so that your child has the opportunity to uh, coach up or to teach up, as you said. That's right. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's a third one is absolutely remembering that like kids can't be what they can't see. So the more that you can, you know, set screen time limits for yourself, like don't just set them for your child and really be a positive role model for what you're asking them to do uh, themselves. I'll never forget this one story I heard. I must, it was from a, a seventh or eighth grade student. I was having lunch at a, cafete- a school cafeteria and they said, you know, our parents ask us to get off our devices, you know, when we're at home. But every morning I come down and get ready for school and my parent is on their device. I don't know what they're doing and maybe they're sending work emails or something, but you're sending a signal to your child in some of those moments. And so again, the more that we could talk with them about how much we're using our own devices and why is so helpful. Another practice is certainly easing them into technology. So think about this as like rookie varsity pro. You don't want your child to just jump into pro and some, you also don't want to withhold everything until eighth grade thinking like, okay, I'm going to wait till eighth. I'm going to wait till eighth. And then they don't build much mental muscle. And then they get a device of their own and like they're thrown into pro. So you really want to think about what are those little Many milestones I could set along the way with using a family device, with having them share their passwords with me to a school device that they use. Like all of those are little mini milestones that build that mental muscle and build that relationship with you. And then, in addition to these best practices for parents, there's this terminology we share with students about, you know, living up to high standards. And there's seven social standards that we challenge students to live up to. And I encourage parents to adopt this lingo when you're talking with your child. And they are playing to your core by clicking send on things that represent your core values. Number two is protecting your privacy, kind of like you're famous. You know, the same way Beyonce doesn't share her geolocation when she's going on tour, you want to protect your privacy because once you share certain information, you no longer get to control what happens to it. A third is striking a balance. So balancing technology with people in our life and other priorities we have in our life, like getting our schoolwork done and more. Fourth is cyber backing. It's a term coined by a student and it's the straight opposite of cyber bullying. It's about having each other's backs online and offline. Five is finding your influencers. So thinking about who and what influences you. These are the role models that you fill your feed with that fuel your core values. 
And it's also the information that you consume, like the news stories that you're getting and where you're getting them from. Number six is using your mic for good and using your voice to create positive change in the world and using it in a way where you are respectful and socially aware of how your voice could you know, come off to others. And then seven, last but not least, is handle the pressure. And there's so many different pressures that immediately get put on students as they get older in tech and social media, the pressure to get the latest device, right? The pressure to get the newest app, the pressure to respond right away when your parent texts you something, uh, the pressure to reply to a text when you're behind the wheel of a car. And, and all these pressures, the more you talk about them, you make the implicit you know, explicit, and it just helps reduce those pressures uh, from feeling that pressure. And so these seven standards, no matter where your child is in this kind of journey, you could talk with your child about them, and you could also live up to those seven standards yourself. So as you were saying those, I was writing them down as quickly as, as I could. I, what, tell me what number one was again. Play to your core. Protect your privacy. Strike a balance. Cyber back. Find your influencers. Use your mic for good and handle the pressure. Let me ask you something. Do you get called in? So number number four about cyber backing, just love that because you know, we hear the so devastating and sad, horrific stories of, of what can happen, again, not just to kids, but to grown adults when they have been uh, cyber bullied. I, I'm good friends with uh, this incredible woman from University of Lincoln, Nebraska, who is considered an expert on anti-bullying. I have another friend who gets called in when there's a teen suicide uh, at a high school. She's the one that they call in to help the school and the teachers and the student body navigate through something like that. Are you somebody that gets called in when there is these types of issues? Yes. And I find that schools are also trying to get ahead of the game a bit more. So you're not playing, you know, Obviously, the, the incidents you mentioned are so tragic and uh, can devastate a community. And the more that schools can, you know, proactively teach, you know, these, you're, you're trying to eliminate being in that position of simply reacting to something that's happening. Now, that's really important work. So I so much applaud and appreciate the experts that are doing that, that they can go in and help a community heal and reflect and have really thoughtful discussions and share their feelings about how they're doing in those tragic moments. You know, that recently, th that's happening so often, more than it should. And I think where I see our role at the Social Institute is, you know, the more that we can help a school proactively uh, help students see you know, hey, how could it make someone feel if you're posting something like that? How can you post more positive, you know, comments to someone when they share a post or when you're playing a video game with them? Like, how do you support your classmate instead of, you know, make them leave that video game not feeling so great? Uh, that's where I feel like we play a, an important position on the field. But there's certainly many other people that have important positions that relate to the world of cyberbullying. So I remember, uh, you know, as our daughter is getting older and we have to introduce technology to her, you know, cause I was, 
maybe my head in the sand a little bit. Okay, we're going to keep our daughter away from all devices, all social media, anything electronic until she's 30 years old. Right. <laughs> You're not alone. <laughs> I know, I know. And then you start thinking, okay, well, of course, she can't date till she's 32 or wear a mascara <laughs> or anything like that, right? Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you're introduced to organizations like Wait Till Eighth. And so you start learning because that, that came up because there were parents in third grade who were giving iPhones to their kids. And so, whoa, 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 this can't be good. And okay, so we need some support here. And so you discover organizations like Wait Till Eighth that mm-hmm. provide resources and training and and information to parents, both to scare them, but to also to equip them. Right. What other resources do you want to share with our, our listening audience? Oh, and before you answer that, the seven, what did you call them? The seven guidelines or? Uh, the seven social standards. Where, where can people find that? Right. So we work with schools and we have partnerships with schools uh, and we offer so many free resources on our website, thesocialinstitute.com. And you better believe that we are on social media, uh, using social media for good. And so we often, you know, share not only the seven standards, but we love sharing current events that go on in the world, these teachable moments that happen every single hour in the news that relate to the seven standards. And those are awesome huddles that you can have with your child. Um, We also have a free newsletter. It goes out every Saturday and it's called The Huddle. And it gives you a few huddle questions that you could use to talk with your child about these topics. So I I did go to your website, again, the Social Institute and the seven social standards that you shared with us, they are listed here. And, And then you go into some depth here. Uh, number one was we balance our attention on technology. Number two, before joining a new social app, we, and it's created like a, a worksheet that I'm, I'm guessing, I'm assuming that a, a parent can sit down with their kids and, and go through this. But I, I keep on bringing it back to this. Every time that you bring up, this is for kids, this is for kids. I'm like, this is for adults. This yes. is absolutely for adults. Right. It's a, a both and, I suppose you could say. But yeah, it is. And we we loved creating it as a worksheet um, because really quick story behind that worksheet is we sat down with students to help build that worksheet. And we asked them, you know, what are some of the questions you wish you could talk about with your parent, with your guardian? And then we also sat down with parents and like, what are the things that you wish you could huddle about with your child? And then we infused both of those answers together to build that worksheet. And it's not, you know, you go to Google and you search family tech contract and you will find, you know, lots and lots of agreements, but they're all pre-drafted and you just kind of ask your child to sign the bottom of it. This is really something, it's a worksheet. So it's something that you and your family complete together. You discuss it together. You ask for your child's input. And the more that they can share their input and you could incorporate it, the more they're bought in. And the more they're bought in, the better time you have in living up to those standards, you know, day in and day out. Yeah, I'm looking at this right now. It says, I commit to living up to our family's social standards and family members sign here, not just the kids, the parents have to sign this as well. You know, watching a, a video, I love Simon Sinek and, you know, he's on stage giving the the analogy or giving the example of if my cell phone is in my hand while I'm speaking to you, are you really paying attention? Do you really feel like I'm here for you? Right. You know, the, the, the message that I'm sending with my cell phone in my hand while I'm on this stage, the message that I'm sending is that at any given moment, 
this cell phone becomes much more important than the thousands of people sitting in my audience. Or, but he gives the example that you're at dinner and you know, somebody has their phone, and but they turn their phone over as though that makes the the other people at the dinner table feel as though, oh, okay, now it's okay. No, the phone's still there. The phone right. is still there, and I'm still sending that message out that this phone and the eight billion people on this planet are more important than the person who is sitting with me right now. It was, it was right. a powerful analogy there. Right. Well, when that video made its round and went viral, everyone, all of us watching it, we couldn't help but just stare at that phone that he was holding. And you're like, it is. Yeah. It's, it is it, when it's in sight, it's in mind. And, you know, Simon is obviously known for so many different viral talks that he's shared over the years. And the other one that comes to mind is his start with why. And I think it's a great reminder too for us parents is like, as you're huddling, like even just start the conversation when you do this worksheet together, like start with why you want to do it. Hey, you know, I feel like as a family, we're not being as consistent, you know, with how we use technology around the house. And, and I'm part of that, you know, as a parent myself, like I'm in this with you. And so let's get some consistency here. And I want your input because you know so much about this space. Uh, So let's huddle about it together and let's go through this worksheet together. You start with the why and and that why is so powerful. I I love it that you're, (laughs) you're scripting us. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and I, right now I'm, I'm imagining that there's some people listening to this that just, uh, they're going to rewind right now. Okay, I have to write down the script because I'm going to sit yeah. there and I'm going to word for word. I'm going to say this to my kids. I'm going to say this to my lover. I'm going to say yeah. this to my partner. I'm going to say right. this to my spouse. Hey, I don't feel like uh, this family has some good boundaries when it comes to technology and including me. I have to tell you something, Laura, this is on my mind every single day, every single day. It is on my mind that I need to have better boundaries. And then I turn around and I blow it every single day. I will say I'm better today than I was six months ago, but I still blow it every single day when it comes to the amount of time that I'm on social media, the amount of time and I I can use excuses. Well, I don't go to an office every single day. So my work is here at home. This is my home office and it's not sitting at a computer. You know, it's on my phone. That's when I'm doing my emails. I'm really not on social media a lot. Maybe I am too much, but not a lot. Mm -hmm. But who knows what my daughter is thinking, you know, my, you know, dad's just surfing for no reason. And, And by doing that, he's not paying attention to me. I think right. about this all the time. Right. Well, you, uh, goodness, you are certainly not alone. And I think you read some of the headlines coming out right now uh, about how, you know, you have school districts suing social media uh, companies. You have uh, social media companies getting, you know, blamed by government for uh, different reasons. And it is so easy to just point our fingers and say, you know, wh- you know what, like these devices are designed to keep our attention. So I, I'm kind of like helpless, you know, they, they got me <laughs> like the dopamine is flowing and my device isn't going anywhere. And I think the more that we could use tech to control tech, the better we are. So what does that mean? It means like setting your screen time settings and maybe once a month, like sitting down as a family to say, Hey, for dinner tonight, let's actually take out our devices and let's compare our screen time stats and let's see if we need to update our settings anymore with how much we're using our devices. Like let's huddle about it. Or, you know, obviously when the 
events happened overseas between Israel and Hamas, which has impacted everyone in different ways. There was a surge of violent content that filled our feeds, and there are settings within apps where you could turn on and it limits your exposure to violent content, which can hurt the five inches between a young child's ears. And um, and there's so much research showing uh, how hurtful seeing violent imagery can be uh, to a young child. And so we could take control of our settings. We're not subject to whatever comes with these apps, we could take advantage of using them, you know, thoughtfully and positively. And and we have that control in our hands. We just got to take the time to reflect and, and huddle as a family to do so. So I'm assuming that the answer is yes, but you track and you limit your personal time on social media or on your device? Oh, a thousand percent. You know, when I look at my screen time stats. There's certain apps I will give limitations to. I mean, I definitely give myself a 30 minute limit every day for Instagram. And that notification pops up of like, Laura, you've, you know, you've reached your limit. And there will be moments where I'm like, okay, great. I'm going to put this down. And then I'll be honest. There are moments where I'm, I'm going to be like, you know, ignore <laughs> and I keep scrolling, but at least that notification it makes me more self-aware that, hey, you've gone your 30 minutes and they may have only felt like five minutes, but you hit your 30 minutes and it just makes you more aware. And I think awareness is the ultimate like piece to this whole puzzle. Like The more aware we can be about how our kids feel when we use our devices in front of them, the more aware that we are for how long we've been on our devices, even if it feels like a few minutes, that awareness, I think, can help bridge the gap uh, with what some couples are feeling, what some families are feeling, and what some educators and students are feeling in the school. Okay. Well, you just said 30 minutes. What, what are some statistics about how much time kids and adults are spending on some of these platforms? Yeah, there's a, a great stat that uh, came out after the pandemic, you know, from Common Sense Media, you know, that shows that, you know, students now are spending over eight hours per day on oh media for entertainment reasons. And you're, you're sitting there and you're like, how does it add up to eight? Like, th- there's, that's more time that they're in school, you know, for. Okay, what about, what about adults? Right. And adults in that uh, same study, I think the adults clocked in at like nine hours. I think they were like an hour over (laughs) the kids using it. And you're like, well, okay, that makes sense now. Like you can't be what you can't see. And so that statistic of how often children are on a device obviously varies by family and given their boundaries and given their screen time limits. One tip though that I have for all families, no matter what your boundaries are and what your standards are is think of screen time kind of like the food pyramid. We all remember that diagram back from like first or second grade. Uh-huh, and you have yeah. your, right? Your triangle of you have your kind of block of, of, you know, candy up at the top and like sweets and chocolates. And it goes all the way down to the bottom and your grains and your vegetables and fruits. Screen time is no different. 
If you were to imagine this screen time pyramid, like the food pyramid, we have different sections in that pyramid. And the bottom section is screen time where you are like connecting with family, right? You might be FaceTiming a loved one uh, that lives further away, like a grandparent or a cousin. And then you go up a level and then it's active learning. So it's like going to uh, an educational website or even YouTube, and you're like learning about a hobby that you have or a passion that you like. And then there's active socializing. So that is like video gaming with your best friends. And you are, you're practicing social skills in that moment. And sure, you might be playing Fortnite at the same time, but it is a social event and you're around other people and you're connecting with people. What you got to be aware of is that very, very top section at the very top of the pyramid. That's our sweets. That's, you know, binge watching our favorite Netflix shows, five episodes in a row. That is scrolling through TikTok and going down a YouTube wormhole, you know, for hours. And there are tech settings that we can update as parents or, you know, as adults in general to limit those wormholes that they go down. Like Netflix has a setting where you could turn off that auto play that happens at the very end of an episode. You know what I'm talking about when, where you, it's like next episode in five, four, three, two, and you're like, all right, I guess I'll just watch the next one. Um, But there's settings that we could update so that we limit our time spent in that top section and we put our screen time to other sections of the pyramid. Well, as we start to wrap this up, my gosh, you you should see the questions that are laid out in front of me and I didn't get to 90% of them truly. Like I even wanted to kind of ask you, maybe it's not even a fair question. Are there certain platforms that scare you that you're super concerned about? Absolutely. Um, I always tell students that, you know, anonymous apps, apps where you, it's not common to share your identity uh, with others. I tell students like your time is too precious uh, for apps like that because they're often filled with, you know, drama and rumors that may not be so true and more. And, you know, there's obviously plenty of different anonymous apps like that. You know, Omegle was uh, a popular one that made its rounds uh, with students. And there's new ones that are going to come out that we have no idea about yet, six to 12 months from now, I'm sure. Um, So anything that's an anonymous app, and, and we actually have a resource at the Social Institute where we break down these apps for parents. So parents could go in and see what are the different anonymous apps that are trending with students in middle school versus high school. Um, so that's um, the biggest category I would recommend not using. I think, you know, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, sure, like they all have cons to them. But I also think they have a lot of pros to them. Like they can expose you to things that you want to learn more about. They can expose you to, you know, other kind of cool things that you you want to experience as a teenager. Um, so again, I think it's all about huddling with your child based on the different apps that they're going to be using and making sure their settings are all buttoned up. Well, you, you don't have to be a parent with a young child to have this information uh, scare you and capture your attention, or maybe it doesn't scare some people the way, of course, I get scared every time my daughter leaves the house, you know, because I am maybe that proud helicopter parent. And so you're going to teach me better on how to huddle with my daughter rather than to a helicopter. But just the resources that you have available, again, everybody, the socialinstitute.com, 
That's where you're also going to find the seven social standards, which, my gosh, just those seven tips uh, that you shared with us, super, super valuable. I know that you can even teach people how to take steps to outsmart algorithms, So, which is that in itself is an important tool and resource that you provide. But Laura, if you could leave us with one takeaway regarding social media and technology, what would it be? This is one of the greatest influences on the well-being of our children, and there is no better time like the present to control the controllable as a parent, as a person, and take control of how technology is impacting you and your loved ones, because it can be a positive force in our lives, but only if you take that step you know, to harness it. Well, congratulations on the success that you're having, uh, again, to write a, an article for the Washington Post and then to have that tweeted, retweeted and applauded by Melinda Gates. That's a wonderful feather in your cap. You're hitting a nerve and you're not just scaring people. You're not just bringing up an issue. You're, you're showing up with lots and lots of resources and just the approach that you have, this calmness that you have uh, for those of us who don't approach things calmly you know we panic and and you have been this in such a short period of time this calm for me and for thousands and thousands of parents and individuals in this crazy crazy storm that we live in right now so thanks for what you're doing and congratulations on what you're doing yeah thank you so much um onward we're all in this together (laughs) well hopefully this is just going to be the beginning of a conversation that you will have with your kids or the beginning of a conversation that you'll have with your loved ones as they say our, our phones have replaced our camera our alarm clock our calculator we don't want our iphones to replace relationships and so such great great information and i i'm hoping that you'll come back i'm hoping that you'll accept my invitation because there's a lot more that I want to ask you and I know that we're going to get a great response and I want to grab those responses and those questions and bring it back. So thank you, Laura, so, so much. Thanks for having me, Wynn.